You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. And we've talked about a lot of different things that I'm not going to go into. There's literally nine weeks of podcasts that you can go, this series that we've been in. This is the 10th week. But I want to put a cap on that today so that we can transition into 21 days of prayer next week and David's amazing story and this word that he's going to be sharing with you next week that comes straight out of God's word. But I want to ask you this. Have you ever wondered if you have more to do with your picture than maybe you give yourself credit? Like, as we get involved in in a relationship with the Lord, there is a submission where he is Lord of our life. But I have found a lot of people that have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will, will put, put God and Jesus as the ultimate authority in their life as if they don't have a choice to what's coming in their life. Like everything they do, they just kind of respond like, well, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, and God does all his stuff he's supposed to do. And I wonder if submitting to God as Lord of our life, which gives him reign over our life, if, if that truly means that we no longer have influence in our life, or maybe if we do things correctly in our relationship with God, maybe, just maybe, there is more that we have to do that affects our picture than what we realize. So to make that make sense, you need to understand there's one basic universal law that you have to grasp for us to dive into God's Word today. It's called the law of the harvest. I've spoke about that before. It's a very simple law. It's very easy to explain. In fact, if you have a garden, you have been experiencing this law. The law is simply this. Whatever the fruit is on the plant determines what the plant is. For example, the law of the harvest. I cannot go out and plant corn seeds and expect to get tomatoes. I cannot go out and plant an apple tree and be upset because I didn't get oranges. Like if I want oranges, then I plant an orange tree. If I want apples, I plant an apple tree. If I'm raising cattle, I don't put in a big group of pigs. Like there's a law of the harvest that says, in fact, it's in Matthew, because he's talking about these aspects of false teachings, and he says, you will know them by their fruit. And the law of the harvest simply says that the fruit has always identified what the plan is. Here's the way we've said it in the south. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, flies like a duck, we call it a duck. You didn't know this, but you knew the law of the harvest. And you're like, well, Mickey, that is the most basic thing that I've ever heard. But think about it. Think about a lot of the things that we're dealing with a lot of the things that we're seeing, and how much we're forgetting this concept of fruit. With that being said, that battle was raging a little bit in this one church that that we're going to talk about. We're going to be in the book of Galatians, all right? And we're going to be in the book of Galatians. And as we were looking at this one church that Paul's writing to, there's this battle that is raging. In fact, Paul calls out Peter in chapter 2, because of this battle that's raging. And here's what's going on. You have people that are dealing with this concept of how do I live my life? Am I governed more by the law and works 
Or am I governed more by grace and faith? See, there was this major battle that was raging. In fact, I will read for you exactly what Paul calls out Peter with. It's in Galatians chapter 2, verse 14. He says this. You're not going to see it on the screen, but listen to these words. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? You're like, well, that's almost like a riddle. Listen to me. Here's what he's saying. How can you act like something you're not, but expect and demand people to act like something that they're not? Can I put it in easier terms for you to understand? How can you expect godly people, or I should say accept, how do you accept godly people acting ungodly, but yet expect ungodly people to act godly? That's one of the issues in the 2020 church. We get shocked when people don't have a relationship with Jesus and they don't act like it. Like we want to like look down our noses, talk about how bad they are, talk about how terrible they are, can't believe they're doing this. And we sit there and go, well, wait a minute. How would they know any different? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you know what I don't expect? I don't you expect to act like you have a relationship with Jesus. But the flip side of that is also true. We will look down our noses and talk about people who aren't acting like godly people, even though they're not. But we will so quickly throw grace in the mix and say, oh, but it's okay when people are doing the wrong thing because they have a relationship with Jesus and they're forgiven. And my question is, is that really true? Is that perspective really what's going on? That is the perspective that Paul is talking about when he's writing this letter. And he's talking to these people, the Galatians. And he says, why are you battling these things? Why are you battling? In fact, I kind of wrote these things down. It's, it's law versus faith. Why are you battling these things? It's the concept of, of Jews versus Gentiles. Why are you battling these things? It's the concept of works versus grace. Why are you battling these things? And he's trying to set them up to let them understand that there are some things they're trying to do because they're trying to live under the law of the Old Testament, the Jews. And because they're trying to live in this legalistic, law-driven, Old Testament Jewish culture, they're missing out on a whole lot of freedom that comes from grace and Jesus Christ. And it's with that concept, just a backdrop, that I wanted to kind of introduce you so that we can dive into God's Word. So if you have your Bible, if you're on the phone or on the app, join me in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I want to go through actually the whole entire chapter. For freedom, Christ has sent us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. First thing that we need to understand is we start looking at this concept of picture this. Maybe I have more to do with my picture than what I realize. Yes, God is completely in charge of my life, but maybe, just maybe, that in the process of God being authority in my life, he still gives me the choice to make choices. And maybe those choices have a whole lot to do with what this picture turns out to be like. So I can't blame God for my bad things, and I can't blame God that, oh, I'm just here because this is what God wants. Maybe God didn't want that. Maybe what he's doing is saying, despite what I want for you, I've given you the ability to make choices, and the choices you make are going to affect this picture. 
That's what he's talking about here. This aspect of freedom that he's given you needs to be understood that if you're not careful, listen to these words. I want to make sure you catch it. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Therefore, then listen to these words. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What he is saying is, listen to me, you have a choice. Do you know right now in America, you have a choice. We are a free country. And depending on what you do, you can, by your choosing, submit to allow things to all of a sudden bog you down and be enslaved to them, or you could choose to continue to have freedom. One thing, just a quick example, I'm not going to dwell on this. Probably the greatest example I can give you is for adults in this room. We call it debt. Isn't it amazing how enslaved and entrapped your finances can get when you get indebted to a bunch of other people? When you say, mm, buddy, I really want this, and somebody says, oh, well, I would love to give you this. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to pay me this for the next five years, the next 30 years, whatever you're doing. And when it's all said and done, we're going to call it even. And all of a sudden, you're going to work and you're getting a paycheck and you're going, wow, God's great. He's blessing me and I got this money. And you go, but it's not really my money because, like, it's already spent. Like, I still got, I got to pay a car note. I got to pay a house note. I got to pay, you know, my credit card I got to pay, and next thing you know, you're going, wait a minute, what, what happened to all my money? Like, I, I just got paid, but I don't, I don't have anything. See, it, it's, it's called chains. It's called shackles. Now, a lot of you are going, again, Mickey's mad at me. No, Mickey's not mad. I'm just trying to get you to understand what he's talking about. You are born into freedom but you've got to be careful what you choose to be involved in because if you're not careful, the choices that you make are going to enslave you. So you've got to think cautiously. Is this something that I really need or is this something that's enslaving? And I'm no longer talking about physical things. But listen to what he says. He gets in this debate. I'm not going to spend time reading it, but he's debating this whole concept of the circumcision. And they're trying to kind of explain that, you know what, we're Gentiles, but we want to go under this law of the circumcision. And, and Paul's literally going, why? Why would you submit to that again? Like you've been freed from that. You are no longer under this Old Testament ritualistic law. Why would you submit back to that slavery of having to be circumcised and having to go to a high priest and having to do these sacrifices? Like through Christ, you have been set free. Why would you enslave yourself again to authorities other than Christ just for them to put shackles and oppression on you? And then listen to what he says. We're going to jump ahead to verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I could not describe a better phrase for most people's lives, including my own, when I talk about tough times that I've went through. This is one of the reasons why we said stop, freeze, take a picture, examine. Because most of the time, we're going through life and we're running well, aren't we? Man, things are kicking. We're like, oh, this is awesome, man. I got this and I got that. And we don't even know through one of the little choices. 
of what's about to come. And it's borderline anxiety, isn't it? Like, like I don't I want to use that word loosely, but it sometimes can be like you're almost can be so consumed with all your choices, worried you're going to make the wrong one. But there also is sometimes that you're running through life and you're making choices. And even when you're making the choices, you're going, you know what? This is probably not going to end well. But I just, I can't say no to me. Like most people have a hard time, not with everybody else, they have a hard time with, with them. That's the reason why they get into different issues, get into different struggles, get into different concepts. That's the reason why there's addiction in this world. That's the reason why there's abuse in this world. Because we have a hard time saying no to me. I will say no to everybody else to position myself so that I can say yes to me. I want you to think about that for a minute. Like unintentionally. I'll show you how it happens in the pastor's life. I had to deal with this. I'd be like, hey, I'm tired of us eating out all the time. I want us to eat at the house and get groceries and use coupons and save a little money and have a little family time. And everybody's like, okay. And I'd sneak out about every lunch and I'd go to the hungry hippie. And I'd sneak out by myself and I'm running through Mrs. Winters. And I'm out by myself, and hey, there's a Chick-fil-A. And I'm coming home for lunch, and everybody's like, hey, you want a sandwich? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And my wife's the smart one. And she's like, you already ate, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. She's like, what would you eat? And I was like, ah, you know, those stupid egg rolls at the Hungry Hippie. I stopped and got some. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's funny. I would, I would tell everybody else to say no, to have self-discipline. Let's do something to better where we're going. Until it came to me. This is what he's talking about. It's not that I didn't know the truth. I just stopped obeying it. I want to ask you a very frank question. And I want you to be real careful the way you answer this. Do you have a problem knowing the truth? Or do you have a problem simply obeying the truth? See, I think most people don't have a problem knowing the truth. I think if I sit down with each and every one of you, and we sit down over a cup of coffee or a Coke or whatever, very quickly, it, like, it's funny. Like, like, pastoral counseling is one of the easiest things in the world. You go in, you ask one question, and let them talk. And they will literally give themselves every answer they've ever needed. All you're going to do is back it up with God's Word. Because most people, because God's Spirit lives in them, already know everything they need to know. They know the truth. The question is, are we going to actually obey it? That's what he said in the Scripture. You were running so well. But, somebody hindered you. Something came along and made you stop obeying the truth. Listen to the next part that he says. Not only was this aspect of the truth, he says, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? 
In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. And listen to these words, verse 12. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. You know what he's saying? This is him writing to this church. And he says, whoever's coming along, teaching you incorrect truths, getting you to go from running the race well to being hindered, I wish those people would simply take their leadership and they would step down. That's what that word means. Before that, he talks about that they're going to have a punishment. They're going to be dealt with. But I wish they would step down. You know what he's trying to tell you? I wish you would quit letting them fit this part of your life and having influence. I wish they would emasculate themselves. They would step down. They would get out of your life so that you'd quit looking at them with their false teachings and you'd start doing what you know is the truth. I'm going to chase a rabbit very, very quick today. Most of your biggest issues, and I'm going to talk about all of us, is that we have people in our lives that we love very much and we want to respect them, but the problem is, is they don't bring any truth to our life. And when we get around them, we allow them, because of the pedestal we put them on in our life, we allow what they speak into our lives as if it's truth, and it gets us from running well. And what we need to do is we literally need to look at them and say, you know what, we can love people well, we can be respectful, we can be kind, but that doesn't mean they have to have a part of our life that influences us if it's causing us to be hindered like we got to reposition the people in our life but he doesn't stop there he keeps going verse 13 for you were called to freedom key verses listen to these verses you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love, serve one another. If you want to know why we do serve day every single year, that's your scripture. Why do we serve people? Why did we make a commitment that 10% of everything given to this church will stay in this local community? Why do we run to people in our community? Why do we try to love? It's this right here. This verse and the next two verses that follow. Keep reading. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's that concept I just talked about, right? We'll get a lot of people to deny themselves, but we have a hard time saying no to ourselves. What if we flip that? What if those things that we kind of position ourselves because, you know, I mean, nobody likes to admit this. And I, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, please don't ever come to me. Don't ever text me. Don't ever email me. Don't, like, at no point if I ever hear you say, you know, Pastor, you don't understand. I just need a little me time. I, I, I'll punch you in the face. I won't really, but I will feel like it. That's one of those things, like if Scripture's clear about, you know, well, you shouldn't have those thoughts, you just need to know you're causing your pastor to sin because when you tell me that, I literally want to punch you in the throat. Like, what are you thinking? Me time. Like, where, where is me time? Like, where did that fit in? Well, Jesus went to the garden, had a little me time. Yeah, sweating drops of blood, saying, take this cup from me, but not my will but thine because he was consumed with you. 
or on the cross. I mean, can you imagine Jesus being like, you know what, I'm just about ready, but before I go, I need a little me time. I know my father's turned his back on me, and the ground's shaking, and, you know, I'm, I'm, but I need a little, me time. What does, that, what does that mean? What this is talking about in this scripture is that if you want to know what the whole law hinges on, it doesn't hinge on me time. It hinges on, on their time. Like, I'm going to leverage everything that I do to not be so self-consumed with my freedom that I use it for my own gain, my own self-gratification. I'm going to leverage my freedom that I can serve other people, that I can help meet their needs because they have needs, and I want to prioritize them in my life. Could you imagine, what would this world look like? This is not a political statement. If you take this the wrong way, this is on you, not on me. What would our world look like right now if we were so caught up in trying to outserve each other? Well, you know, it tells you how to change things. You ready? You say, Mickey, you're dabbling. No, I'm not dabbling. I'm just reading God's word. Listen to verse 15. But if you bite and you devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. See, I feel like this summer we've done a great job in staying on task. And I'm not going to botch it now by getting on some boomer soapbox. But I feel like that we, if we're not careful, we will get so consumed with our own freedom and what we want for our own picture that we don't realize how much it influences everybody else and changes their picture as well. What would it look like if my freeze frame was so much bigger than just my day picture? Like, oh, that was sweet. I, I was at the beach, and there's my family, and everybody's sweet, and it's sunny. And What if I looked at something a lot bigger than that and was looking at my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren? But what if I looked even one step further and said, and how are their pictures influencing others? Like, what would it look like if what I was looking at was more consumed on the influence of my family's life rather than my family's life? Can I say that again? What would it look like if I was more consumed with the influence of my family's life rather than my family's life? Now, I can't speak for you. I'll speak for me. That would change a lot of things. You say, well, Mickey, that, that all sounds great, but when I'm looking at my picture, some of the things I struggle with when you're talking about this, this me and, and not self-gratifying and not leveraging my freedom just for myself, but leveraging it to be able to serve others, how can I do that? Like, that sounds real simple, but the reality is, is, is that's tough. I've got a part of me that really, like, like I got some strong desires. There's some things that are in my life that, that I struggle with. Can I keep reading? It's amazing how God's word speaks. Verse 16. But I say to you, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to read that again. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you, what is that word? Want to do. Do you know why we did two-part series over the last two weeks of talking about what do you really want? It's because I knew where we were going. 
If you want to know how to keep yourself from not getting the things that you want that only ends up being something you didn't want, but it keeps you from getting what you actually wanted, this sums it up. You have got to understand that there is a desire that's in you that these things are at war. There are two things that are at war in your life. It is called the flesh, and it is called the spirit. We don't spend a whole lot of time talking about those things from this stage. But can I sum it up in my most, most you know, my warped, crazy mind? I think of it as, as the old Tom and Jerry cartoon. Some of you guys that are younger, Google that. It's pretty cool. But Tom would always have the cat. He'd always have this battle where he's trying to catch this mouse, and all of a sudden these two little angels would pop up. And one would be an angel like, no, Tom, don't do it. Let him go. And one would be the devil like, yeah, eat him. And you're like, Mickey, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. That's what your life is like every day. Every day you are at war against yourself. There's a war going on in your body saying, am I going to chase the things of my flesh, my desires, the things that I want, or am I going to be governed by the things of the Spirit and the things that I truly need. In fact, I'll prove it to you. You ready? Can I read for you what the things of the flesh are? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He's talking about this circumcision, this battle that's going on. Now listen to what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know if anybody looks at their picture and goes, mm, buddy, let me have more of that in my picture. If I could have a little bit more drunkenness, if I could have a little bit more orgy, if I could have a little bit more sensationalness, if I could have, I mean, like, nobody's looking at those things when I read them and go, man, wow, that would be awesome. I heard a podcast this week. It, it just, it burnt in me so strongly. He was talking about different things that people may want, and it was a leadership podcast. And he made this comment. He's talking to adult men. And he says, adult men, I'll tell you something that you're going to want whether you realize it or not. When you get older, you are going to want the respect of your adult children. When you get older, you will want the respect of your adult children. And you're going to want them to come home. And then he made this comment. He said, there's not a fling or a thing worth sacrificing that respect. And it just stuck all over me because I was already done with this message and prepping. And it made me realize that that's really what it's talking about, isn't it? Like, what point in our life do we hit a point of maturity spiritually that we say, you know what? There are things that I want in my life, and these things that are just, I mean, diametrically opponents of it are not going to allow me to have the things that I want in my life and want in my family's life and want in my picture. So therefore, rather than it being this war that's being waged, I'm ending the battle. I'm saying no more to this stuff. See, most people don't like their picture. Because you're getting exactly what you're planning. Can I go back to the law of the harvest? You know why you're getting some of the stuff that you're getting in your picture? Because you're daggum planting it there. 
You know where you're getting some of the struggles with your kids? It's because of what you're putting in your life. You know where you're struggling in some of your relationships? It's because of choices that you're having in your life. I want you to compare those things I just read that are works of the flesh, and and I want you to listen to what what the option is. You don't have to have that, because it says, you know, if you have those things, and I'll go ahead and address a little theological issue. A lot of people get sideways about the last part of this. I'll read it again real quickly, because we're running out of time. It says that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Some people get absolutely bent sideways on that. And they're saying, oh, but if God loves people and forgives people, how can... Listen, that's not what it's saying. You know what it's talking about right there? The law of the harvest. It's talking about that you'll know them by their fruits. And what it's saying is, you know what, if those things are a part of your life, then you're outwardly demonstrating what's on the inside of your life. And so they do not demonstrate that you have a relationship with Christ in your life. So because you don't have a relationship with Christ in your life, because of what's demonstrating on the outside, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you know what, you don't inherit the kingdom of God. It's not that those things keep you from the kingdom of God. It's just those are the fruit of the plant. You can't show up with oranges hanging all over you and say, Woohoo! I'm an apple tree. God's looking at you like, no, you're an idiot. I created everything. And you can't have those things continuously be in your life and then expect like, whoa, but I'm a godly person. No, you're not. Because if I was the God of your life, you would have found freedom from those things a long time ago. Nobody wants to talk about that anymore. You say, Mickey, boy, you, you're talking about, no, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about that if you accept Christ, you're going to do this, 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 and this. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that when you accept Christ, there is freedom. You will find freedom, and he will release you from some of those battles in your life. You say, well, then why do I still battle them? Because you keep choosing to run back to them. You keep choosing to self-gratify yourself. That's why you have struggles. Because you still say, me, 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 me. And it's time for all of us to hit a point where we say, you know what? In my picture, I don't want the center of my picture to be me. I got bigger things I want in my picture. I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Here's the things I want in my picture. You've heard them a hundred million times. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Anybody want that in your picture? Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Anybody want that in their picture? Oh, Mickey, I'd love to have that in my picture, but you don't understand. I've just got, no, here's what you've got. Are you ready? The aha moment of the day. You can't plant works of the flesh and expect fruits of the Spirit. You can't plant works of the flesh and expect fruits of the spirit we sit back and go what i don't know how all this crap's getting in my life i'll tell you how you're choosing it and this is not a legalistic you know law driven like that's what he's talking about he's just telling them hey listen why are you getting hindered if you will step in the spirit and allow christ to guide you and you will love God, 
and you will love people, and you will serve people. There's a part that it'll change you, and you'll fall in love with how God uses you to love people well, and all of a sudden, you're going to find these things in your life. Like, when it's all said and done, I don't want to look at my picture and be like, woohoo, man, that's great. Let, let, let me read some of this stuff. Man, I'm so glad they're in my life. I'm, I'm glad that in my life I have sexual immorality. I'm glad I have impurities. I'm glad I got sensuality. I'm glad I got idolatry. I'm, boy, I'm so glad that, you know, my great-grandchildren, boy, they're really great. They're dealing with jealousy, and they're dealing with fits of anger, and there's this rivalry, and they're always competing against each other, and there's dissension, and there's division, and there's envy, and there's drunkenness. Because, by golly, if I'm going to have all this in my life, somebody's got to have a drink somewhere because I'm about to die. And God's saying, you ain't got to have that. If you don't want that, then quit sowing that in your life. I want to look back at my picture and say, you know what? Was it flawed? Sure, because we're human. But you know what? There was love. Well, we loved each other well. And there was patience, because we are flawed. And there was self-control. And keep going with on and on and on. And then listen to what he says. And I'm done. He said, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 34, or 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Can I just put it real simple? You say, Mickey, I can't do this. If you are with Christ, you've already won. See, you're more powerful than you realize because Christ has already crucified the flesh. That's what the cross was all about. And then listen to what he says. If we live by the Spirit. You know that part of you that kind of goes, mm, I don't know about that. That's the Spirit. You know that part of you that, that the more you get into God's Word, like, it's, like there's a part of you, some people say it's your conscience, that says, oh, you probably shouldn't do That's the Spirit. And the more we start living and trusting that Spirit and we allow God to guide us, it's amazing where it takes us. But listen to what it keeps saying. For if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. You know, it's amazing that Paul puts that tag on it. Because you want me to tell you what normally happens when people live by the Spirit? It creates a big, huge desire in other people's life to have what they've got. And you want me to tell you one of the greatest ways? Can I, can I paraphrase that into the, to the Mickey Clark translation? And as you pursue God... Keep it real. Don't put out this fake fruit. I've been over to people's houses about broke my tooth before. Because I'd be like, man, I, man, I got some fresh, man, that's, that looks good, man. Can I have a piece of fruit? Sure, you can have a piece of fruit. I was talking about the bowl in front of me. I wasn't talking about, I didn't know that wasn't right. I grab a hold of that, looks real. I mean, it looks great. Until you try to use it. You know what I found out? It's totally useless. Has no value whatsoever. It's only good for display. And it's only good for a display until somebody actually wants to see if it's real or not. Keep 
your life real. Because see, listen to me. You've got to keep it real. Because when it's real, that's when God really shows up. Like this whole idea of freeze frame and saying stop and examine and look. Can I give you kind of the, the wow, it took, took 10 weeks to say this. Why didn't we just say this week one and we could have saved some time here? Like, like most of you, you just, you got you to gotta take, take a better picture. Like if I was to sit down with you and ask you about things in your life, there's more things to be thankful for than to regret. But your nature is to go to the negative. Your nature is go to the things that you want to fix, not the things you want to celebrate. Look at the picture again. But rather than trying to examine it, celebrate it. Ask yourself, what things are you most thankful for? What things do you see? And then as you celebrate those things, ask the million-dollar question. What did you really have to do with what you're celebrating? I believe you will find most of the things that you're celebrating have nothing to do with you. They have everything to do with God and the fact that you pursued Him with obedience. So did you have a part of it? Yes. Obedience is, has always, and will always be the key. But God has always been the giver. And he can change your picture in a moment. Through a submission to him. And a pursuit of walking in his spirit. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.